2: now
3: Go to NobleGoldInvestments.com. Now, NobleGoldInvestments.com. Past
1: performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision.
3: 20 years ago, I would have never
4: really put a lot of credence to the, the, the industrial complex, the military. But I do now. I really do. I think that whole machine, that wealth of machine pushing America's into war, pushing us to funnel these wars. I mean, we spent 20 years at war. And now we're openly in a proxy war with Russia. And another thing, the media stuff, I don't believe any of it coming out. I don't believe hardly any information that comes out.
5: Was your experience in those wars um, compared to media coverage of those wars? Is that why you don't believe media coverage today?
4: Uh, I watched it happen firsthand, especially in Iraq.
5: Well, USA Today is now reporting that support for Ukraine is wavering and faltering multiple countries, including the U.S., not as supportive of Ukraine in the war with Russia. Beyond the
6: surface, I'm I'm Ivory Hecker. Elizabeth Lane here. See, Ivory, I think it has to do with multiple things that happened this week. And one of them is Canada kind of honoring a Nazi veteran. So we'll we'll dive into that story, but first I want to mention that it's not just the United States. I mean, we saw what happened with the Congress, right? So uh, with Matt Gates and uh Marjorie Taylor Greene came out and said, "Hey, we're so happy to say there will be no more money for Ukraine because it's not America's 51st state." <laughs> so maybe we should maybe we should focus more on our internal affairs and domestic issues than, you know, sending billions of dollars in Ukraine when we we have so many things, including Lahaina, to take care of inside our country, right? So that's good news, but it's not just the United States. If you look at the uh, numbers, uh, you know, 65%, when this war started, 65% from one of the surveys, I'm, I'm going to make sure that we say that because there were many different surveys, done about Ukraine. So one of the surveys showed that 65% of Americans wanted to support Ukraine. Now it's the opposite. So it's completely opposite. And I think people are waking up to really finding out what's what's happening, that, you know, a few men have their own agenda uh, playing out in this and people's money and just as we, we are being used. So... Wow. that's number 1 and number 2 it's not just the united states that doesn't want to support ukraine anymore we saw what happened in poland so polish people so poland's government and ukraine are in dispute over grain um and poland is blaming ukraine for backing off on on the deals and etc we are not going to go down in details with this cuz it deserves another episode to break this down but the truth is, Poland says, we're not going to send you any more guns. And Poland was one of the best allies with Ukraine. So not only overseas, the, the support is wearing, but also right next to their borders, borders of Ukraine. The countries are changing their mind. So I, I think it also has to do with the fact that Ukraine is kind of losing this war. And, you know, there are a ton of soldiers, there are surrendering, giving up because they realize that, you know, it's it's a suicide mission. I I personally interviewed one of the uh, SBU agents long time ago, somewhere like a year and a half ago, um, which we could provide that video, I think still, even though YouTube took it down. So, oh yeah. So he said that even back then, they were sent on suicide missions. So... Even the soldiers are like, "Hey, so if I'm gonna die for nothing, I'm not advancing here. So I'm dying for nothing. It's not like we're gaining ground here. So if I'm gonna die, I'd rather take my chances as a, you know, a, a, as a slave and surrender, and then get shipped back to Ukraine at some point or meet my family in Russia." Uh, and it's it's very no, uh, important to say that Russians are offering Ukrainians uh, free surrender, meaning that they're tuning in their frequency and saying, you're not going to be harmed. We we are going to feed you. You're going to be just fine. All you have to do is is give up, right? And we saw these videos and advertisements that Russians put out, uh, which pretty much shows exactly how it, it will go for Ukrainians. And uh, I think it's uh, good to add on that video as well. This is Russians uh, actually putting money into clips, showing Ukraine that you have better chances to live freely if you surrender, we don't want to kill you. So that's one.
5: And that, now, they've been killing, I mean the Russians have been killing people, right? I mean just yeah, it's today, AP reporting Russia strike on village kills fifty one. Uh so you're saying Russians are are pretty much saying we'll be nice to you if you surrender, we'll keep killing. Yeah,
6: you. of no. course. I mean, it's war. I mean, it, right. it's war. You're going to kill the other party or they will kill you. And remember that famous video. Um, I don't think we have it as we speak, but we can always link it down below on YouTube. So remember that famous video um, of this bombing of the marketplace, public marketplace. I can provide that video where, Every major channel said that it was Russia killing innocent civilians, and Russia says, "No, no, it's not us." And week after investigation, even Wall Street and New York Times came out and says, "Actually, it was Ukraine." Oh wow! But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, we can link this video. This happens all the time, so
5: I'm not so surprised. Ukraine hurting its own people. So this this AP yeah. headline, you know, yeah. is was it Ukraine who just? Did so the one wanted- to get funding, Zelensky wants- needs funding. So if he can show that his country is being ravaged, it might help. You know, we, but we don't have evidence of that so far here. But yeah, he is desperate for funding right now. Hundred percent. The U.S. a top funder is backing off. that Top reason, a big reason that uh, Kevin McCarthy was ousted as House Speaker is that he was doing a secret deal with the Democrats on Ukraine funding, according to Matt Gates.
6: Isn't that funny? Like to, to sit back and think about this. So you have a Republican speaker making a secret deal with Democrats for some country that he cannot pinpoint on a map. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it's, I mean, it's absolutely shocking, but I wanna focus on one of the major developments that happened uh just a week ago, which is Ukraine honoring a uh, Yaroslav Hunka, which is a known Nazi veteran. So remember when Russia was screaming like with everything they had, that we are denazifying Ukraine, we are not gonna be okay with Nazis in Ukraine, and every channel, if people go to graze on um or YouTube channel for Gray Zone, whichever you prefer, guys. They did a really good uh, merge merger of these clips from CNN, BBC, ABC. All of these major channels are there, saying that there are no Nazis in Ukraine. What are you talking about? Like Zelensky is a Jew. How can he ever support Nazis? If you have that clip, Ivory, where Zelensky and Trudeau are applauding a Nazi veteran, Yaroslav Huka, who was in one of the most brutal SS units, could you play that for me? Just so that we can see a Jew applauding a Nazi who killed a bunch of Jews. This there we go.
7: A Ukrainian veteran of the Second World War. There we
6: go, that's Yaroslav Huko.
7: Ukrainian independence against the Russians and continues to support the troops today <laughs> at his age of 98. There Invited we go. Anthony Rota to witness Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky's address to Parliament Yaroslav Hunka is one of his constituents. He's a Ukrainian hero, mm-hmm. a Canadian hero, and we thank him for all his service. That was the jubilant of Now Woo-hoo! new details have emerged about that war service MPs applauded. Hunka served in the 1st Galician Division, a voluntary unit commanded by the Nazis.
1: The unit is complicit in the Holocaust. They- this
7: Jewish human rights campaigner says there's no defending former soldiers like Hunka.
1: You swore allegiance to Hitler. And you were involved with the massacre of civilians. There we go. So it doesn't matter if you uh, try and claim that you were defending against communism. You were still involved with the Nazi war machine.
5: Yeah. So that House speaker in Canada has since resigned in embarrassment.
6: Mm -hmm. So, you know what I want to talk about real quick? Just the... the conniving plan these people had because there is no other explanation, right? So their defense was, oh, we had no idea that he was with the, with the Hitler. And that's just like, what are you talking about? So first of all, he's in a chamber. So everyone is vetted. You can't even go there, especially be honored if they don't know who you are. Right? So let's say they made a mistake. Everything happens. Stupid things happen. Right. Let's say they made a mistake. You saw the speaker, standing up and reading something like this, which he did. He said, in World War II, Huka fought against Russians. First of all, what Russians? In World War II, there was no entity like Russia. It was Soviet Union. So this is very calculated language, very crafted language, so that the, the Russia is there, like the, the word Russia, right? So if in World War II you're fighting against Russia, then you're fighting against Canada, and Canada lost thousands of people in World War Two. So you're honoring, even if he was not a Nazi and somehow fought alongside, which he was, but somewhere alongside with Nazis, right? You're honoring a man that killed Canadians. Wow. You're joking, right? So how did you not know that? When you were reading, how did you not know that Soviet Union fought with the Allied forces? You what? We, we are a speaker that doesn't know that? Of course he did. So, wow. I mean, It's incredible. Yeah, this was (laughs) bad. So then Justin
5: Trudeau does an apology. We have that video.
2: Yes. Obviously, it's extremely upsetting that this happened. Uh, The speaker has uh, acknowledged his mistake uh, and has apologized. Uh, But this is something that is deeply embarrassing to the Parliament of Canada and, by extension, to all Canadians. Mm I think particularly of Jewish MPs and all members of the Jewish community across the country who are uh, celebrating, uh, commemorating Yom Kippur today. Uh, I think it's going to be really important that all of us push back against Russian propaganda, Russian disinformation, and continue our steadfast and unequivocal support for Ukraine uh, as Uh, We did last week with announcing uh, further measures to stand with Ukraine in uh, Russia's illegal war against it.
6: So, you know what's amazing about this video? He starts apologizing that he just honored a Nazi. By the way, he had a private meeting with him as well. Trudeau actually privately met this Nazi, shook his hand, honored him privately. Oh, yes. So he's apologizing for honoring a Nazi, and somehow he manages in the apology to squeeze in Russian propaganda. What does Russian propaganda has to do with any of this? Like Russia that is cleansing Ukraine from the Nazis somehow is responsible for Canada honoring Nazi. I mean, this is beyond ridiculous. And I don't even know if there's any individual that is okay with this conduct, whether Trudeau, it's Trudeau or or Canadian government, or Americans in that matter. Like it is just ridiculous, beyond ridiculous. So I think it's time we brought our guest because I have a really timely question for him. Ed, you are a veteran seal, okay? So you've seen many different battles, you've done so much for your country. How does that make you feel when Canadian government owners a Nazi that in World War Two there's 420,000 Americans that died. How does that make you feel?
4: Well, I'm not Jewish, but I, I think as the Jewish folks would probably, they, they don't, I've never met a Jewish person that would uh, forgive, so to speak, um, anyone that was part of the Nazi regime. But
6: right Americans right? died in the hands Americans of Nazi-
4: died there, yeah. yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, some Canadians, obviously, as you you mentioned, but. Um, yeah, obviously they made a mistake somehow. Maybe they just got caught. I don't know, you know, because a lot of times people only apologize once they get rolled up and get caught for what they did or what they said. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty bad situation. I would say for them all around.
5: So Canada lost its house speaker due to resigning in embarrassment. America has lost its house speaker, uh, uh, in part, a secret deal on funding Ukraine. Uh, Support for Ukraine is faltering. Now, a lot of the concern being voiced in mainstream media is that, like Trudeau said, this is an illegal war, that r- Russia was really overstepped its bounds. And if they get away with this and Ukraine surrenders, what precedent does that set? How does that empower Russia or even other countries to overstep their bounds and and hurt other countries so what's your take on that ed
4: well i don't, what war is legal i don't know i mean who, who decides what is and what is not legal um i obviously served in iraq multiple times uh, was that legal um the weapons of mass destruction was a reason for invasion were there any no i was there right at the time there were none we invaded a country we broke them apart it's still suffering today uh for what so was that legal? Was that not legal? Law is made by human beings and agreed upon, possibly, but doesn't make it right or wrong. So I have never been to Ukraine. Um, I do know some Ukrainian people here where I live, and most of them identify as being Russian. And the eastern part of it identify as Russian. So, you know, not backing Putin and saying he's not killing people and murdering people, but like Elizabeth said, that is, that's what war is. It's about killing, and there's no nice way around it. Uh, you know that situation is complicated and, and to say the least but uh, I do not think it just happened overnight I mean for what 20 probably five 26 years now I believe Russians have been talking about their borders getting built up with UN forces well they didn't stop doing that and you know that you know as much as UN can talk about you um, you know, having forces that are on a defensive position—it depends on which way the missiles are pointing, right? I mean, if your missiles are pointing to- toward us, it's it's you're on a different side of that argument. And I think the Russian folks have had that argument for a long time. And first of all, and another thing, the media stuff—I don't believe any of it coming out. I don't believe hardly any information that comes out of our media anymore with this war. So just the fact that someone's saying is it illegal or legal words to me—that's fairly nonsense. Um. I just I don't go for it.
5: <laughs> oh, I wanted to bring up Ed's official bio real quick. Brian, Iron Ed Heiner is a decorated Navy SEAL veteran officer with more than twenty years of distinguished service. He was, saw nine major deployments on five continents, four of which were combat deployments. Served and fought in three separate wars, including Iraq and Afghanistan. True. So, um, clapping, but I don't think. It's, yeah. So it was. It was your experience in those wars um, compared to media coverage of those wars? Is that why you don't believe media coverage today?
4: Uh, huh. I watched it happen firsthand, especially in Iraq. Um, and. I was working at the time I was work, working with the British special forces. I was with them embedded in with them and right after the invasion and everything was kind of settling out. And the insurgency was going on. Um, there were times and we would do kind of clandestine. You would call, I would call some people would say covert operations throughout the cities where we would embed ourselves um in the population to do things and we would we would literally see this like cnn reporters and stuff before the insurgency got so bad they were just killing everyone they would walk around with a camera in these little village marketplaces and once the people saw the camera they would flock together and they would zoom the camera in and these people were screaming at the camera and they would film it and when they put the camera down, the people would walk off and do their job. So they made it appear to be this massive protest with Americans and all this other stuff. None of that was happening until the camera showed up. So we actually use cameras ourselves. So that was a good to- tool for us. Probably not very legal, but it's a great way to get into that. And into the environment. So we saw that. We saw the reports. I watched the reports go away. Afghanistan, for instance, two years ago when it fell, the only people that were surprised were the senior leadership at the White House. The only people. We, the last time I was there in 2010, there was probably less than 50 Al Qaeda left in the country. We knew for sure. Every military person that was actually involved on the ground operations believed that everything we doing was an absolute waste of time, that the Afghans would never adopt our policies. They would never fight when we left. I was with the Afghan commandos, and they were only as strong as the combat advisors that were with them. So this big, huge machine of lies. And everybody's, oh, my God, they're making improvements. They have this strong government. Um, you go outside of Kabul, you drive out in the Wardak Providence, probably an hour outside. They had no idea who the government was, but they, they, they couldn't you couldn't explain to them why a government was important to them. So it was just an absolute lie. And the media ate it up. The media sat inside the big cities like Kabul and just filmed and filmed the film where it's safe. And they listened to all this nonsense from these generals and these admirals and saying, oh, this is good. These people are good to go. Their country's going to thrive. And everyone that knew anything said it's bullshit. So that's why I don't trust them, because most of it's nonsense. It really is. And uh, the media, obviously, they have a hard job, but I think their integrity and in general has uh, gone to sensationalism. You know, if you're a, a journalist with integrity, maybe that's not a big story. Maybe you go, no, there's really no insurgency or really this is not working, or whatever, but you're not a common story. So you're not getting the headlines. You're not getting that constant feed. You're not making money. So,
0: yeah, so I, don't, I don't
4: trust a lot of them. I, I trust people with their own video cameras more than I do through the media. You see what you see, and you put all that together, and you kind of get a pattern of what's going on. Um,
6: And I have to say this. When I was in Russia, I don't know if Ed remembers this. It was like almost two years ago now. The first round of Russia, not the second. So I sent him a few pictures. Um, And because I was not in that situation, like whatever I saw, I saw for myself and filmed. But there was a few pictures that I was sent Uh, Russians were getting blamed either way remember that torture thing or something and this is how hard it is to lie to somebody who's in the battle like he I don't know if you remember this you looked at it once you were like nope I would not have done this this way. So, like you know, from his own experience, he was able to figure out that this is this bullshit. Like this is not. What's some of the
4: mass graves in the in the forest? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, that looks a little too structured. If I was a Russian, (laughs) I just murdered a lot of civilians. You know, they say murdered, and. I probably wouldn't take the time to put nice, even graves, three foot apart, perfectly lined, right? I'm in a fight. I don't
6: care. that needs lots of carving yeah. and put, like, the number on them, right? Like, I just... Exactly. Why would
4: I document my atrocities? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I guess the Nazis <laughs> did that, I, you know, but... Um, Yeah, I just wouldn't, it just looked a little bit too good to be true. And most things that are too good to be true. And
6: he turned out to be right. Later on, exactly a year after we found out that this was Ukrainians doing all of that, putting like filming as like, oh, look at Russian soldiers killing so many innocent civilians. Turns out these were actually soldiers that Ukrainians lost during the attack. And they wanted to sell it out as, like, Russians killing civilians. So it, it, this was it, this war is so complicated and so full of... Every full war cl- is complicated. Yeah. That's
4: but the only it, thing. I, I was one of the things I think we, I, we all, American troops that were on the ground involved heavily after 9-11, is that every war is complicated. It's really all the stuff coming out of the Washington nonsense is... They have no nobody has a clue at what the nuances are on the ground, the history of all of it. So really, I just learned how ignorant I was when I went to Iraq and Afghanistan. It's like how much I really didn't know. And we didn't know as a country. And so okay. someone's fueling that up in our, our oh, yeah. you know, with all the money getting thrown around and all those all, all the things that are involved in that big soup of information. It's it's not good information.
6: Ed, could you explain from where you stand? Um, I've done this in my podcast before. I've done this on Substack with articles where the money really goes. So all these Americans think that money goes to Ukraine. Like usually Ukrainians, some mother in Kiev or in Lviv gets like these thousands of dollars and lives better. But could you explain how money laundering works in war?
7: Well, I,
4: (laughs) I wish I knew I'd be richer. But no, no, I'm just kidding. No. Well, you're going to see that. The, I don't even know how many billions of dollars. Nobody even knows how much a billion is. It's just a big number. How much money we've actually given them and where does it actually fall and land? I can surely bet you from the top of that pyramid when that money comes in, there's billionaires being made overnight. All of Zelensky's people around him. They're going to be billionaires. And by the time it filters down that tree, that pyramid, those battalion commanders, brigade commanders, they're all taking their money. And just like Benghazi and other places in the world, we're passing them off, these Javelin, Stinger missiles, all these nice hardware, all these things. Those are getting sold to the black market. Not all of them. A certain amount will make it to the troops. But you're talking, to, even if you peel off one third of all that money, which I would say that would be a very... Conservative estimate. It's, I would say more than one third of the money going out there is not going to make it to the ground to fight. Yes. people are getting rich, and people are getting at every level. They're going to filter that money off, and they're going to make their own money and leave the country or do what they do.
7: Absolutely, so I don't have, I mean, you can't
4: just look at America. We couldn't even find hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, and we're an American military is very strict under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, money and conduct, very strict. I mean, you 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 misplace $50 and get found out. That's a co- possible court-martial offense. It's something,
6: something, lowering, so. though. So if let's say if a soldier or even officer or even someone like Seal, Ed Heiner, misplaced $15, oh, he's going to get in trouble. But Man's when right. it's the echelons, the elite, then somehow we are losing millions and we don't know where it goes. How yeah. convenient. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I wanted to ask you at
5: uh, USA Today is reporting the Pentagon said in a letter to Congress obtained by the Associated Press that there was 1.6 billion remaining of 25.9 billion to replenish military stocks. So that sounds like a very small percentage of money the Pentagon has left to replenish their own stocks with all that they're giving to Ukraine. What does that mean for our own national defense then?
4: Well, the first thing in the military that will go will be training, right? I mean, we'll keep the ready, uh, I forget the acronyms now, but there's certain ammunition and certain things that are combat ready, can't be touched, but the filler, the, the training, the new people coming in, the continuous uh, um, uh, you know, enhancing your skills, those types of things will go. So the people, the troops will just use less, they'll shoot less rounds. They'll be less prepared when they use the actual rounds. Yeah, so that's what it, 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 the troops will suffer.
6: So correct that's me if it. I'm wrong. Replenishment also means technique. So here is what I uh, here, here is how I understand money laundering. Right. So we are shipping all these uh, weapons to Ukraine. Uh, like Ed said, some of it will get sold on black markets. Very little will make it to Ukraine. But then military industrial complex has a really good excuse to tell Americans, we need more money because now we need equipment. So we send, they did this before, we send so much to Ukraine, now we have to build new tanks. Remember that, who was a the, the general who were who was saying to Congress, we, we don't need so many tanks. We've got enough. And they were like, nope, we're going to give it t- to you anyway. So why are they so eager to give this tech, uh, technology to military? Because here's, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Let's say this tank needs a little bolt to function, like a tiny little bolt, right? That bolt would be $10. But when you are dealing with Congress and military industrial complex, that bolt that costs $10 costs $110.
2: Well,
4: that is true because it has to be military specs, mil- military specifications and, and made all exactly. and whatnot. So but it, you that know, are- I would never would have thought twenty years ago I would have never really put a lot of credence to the to the industrial complex the military. But I do now. I really do. I think that whole machine, that wealth of machine pushing Americas into war, pushing us to funnel these wars. I mean I, we spent twenty years at war. And now we're openly in a proxy war with Russia. And I mean, not only it's not me saying it, that's Congress saying it. That's people in Congress, people of power saying that out loud on the floor. So, I mean, did did we vote on that? No, we didn't vote on that. I mean, America, I mean, we're, I, I thought at first I was very nervous with the Russian thing that we would even. I mean, would we push the Russians or would it escalate until someone lit off a nuclear weapon and then? world has changed
6: yep and you know that 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 is still a threat just a week ago yeah just a week ago british government was debating whether send the troops to ukraine or not like what and and you know i always remind americans because i come from europe right so i'm not uh, originally american even though i am american yeah. but um so here's the thing i always remind americans you really need to understand these made-up enemies, these fake enemies. That the first they fed you with Vietnam, this tiny little country that had no beef with you. Then they fed you Middle East, one by you know, one by one, whether it was Afghanistan, Iraq. Now they are feeding you Russia, that is very different from Soviet Union today, right? Yeah. So right. when does it end? But if you look back in American history, if you really look back who's the, the biggest enemy for Americans? It was the Brits. Brits were the ones who burned down the White House. No other nation has done it. Yeah. Brits were the ones who came and killed Americans here. No other nation has done it. Yet we somehow are always part- in partnership with these guys. We are somehow always fueling whatever agenda they have, whether Brits want to send, you know, uh, troops in wherever, whether it's uh, Africa, whether it's uh, Russia, why do you think is that? Is that language? Like, Is that is that Britain actually won the intelligence battle? And even though Americans won the freedom battle, do you think that Britain kind of won the intelligence level by corrupting America into their own image?
4: Well, that's, um, that's a lot. <laughs> no, well, we do share, share a lot of common values with English. And I do know have, having being served with the SBS Special Boat Unit, it's the SEALs versus the SAS kind of um, thing, is that their, their is motto is by strength or guile.
6: SAS is equivalent of SEALs in Britain, Delta.
4: right? SAS so, is similar yeah. to Delta Force because mm-hmm. uh, they're mostly ground-based. And then the SBS, Special Boat Service, is the same as kind of their SEALs. But their motto is by strength or guile. So either we're going to beat you with our, you know, hard guns, so to speak, or we're going to craft you into it to winning. It's very, very crafty, in that. But that's a British mindset, right? They they colonized the world very successfully from a small little island country, so they did very, very well. That's built into their DNA. Um, but Americans also, we're, it, yeah, we've uh, we've become ourselves war mongers ourselves,
0: so. mm.
4: and we're the big hammer that the world wants to manipulate and to throw that hammer around. I'm I'm
5: just love just, I love Ivory's face it. right now. She's like, she's <laughs> well, I, I have my own reaction to what you said, so I I see it as after America won its liberty against England, uh, mm-hmm. the British changed. They weren't as tyrannical. They adopted more values that were similar to the U.S., and so we were able to align our countries in a lot of ways with, with a lot of values. Now, Ukraine used to be a hotbed of Nazis. They had horrible concentration camps there. Mm -hmm. Once the Nazis were defeated, Ukraine, I think a lot of people feel Ukraine dramatically changed its values. Ukraine has been trying to root out its corruption American police forces go over there every year to teach police in Ukraine how to police in in a um, structured, non-corrupt manner. And Ukraine has been working to be a liberated, uh, civilized country. And so when they keep getting identified with Nazis, um, it's like many people don't agree with that. Because that's not Ukraine's total identity. And so then for Russia to attack Ukraine and say, we're rooting out Nazis when they're killing Nazis and non-Nazis.
6: Well, you you have to. There's no other way. See, that's the thing. Like, I mean, what, I feel like people are asking for Russia to be a angel with the wings. I mean, they are in war. There's no other way. So, for example, I was there. I can talk about maybe more about this subject than many. Okay. So in the initial stages of war, which I saw myself, and keep in mind, I also lived in Ukraine. I have many Ukrainian friends. Some of them lived with my parents in Tbilisi because when the war started, we called them up. We were like, "Hey, it's time for you guys to leave Kiev, right?" Because we didn't know if Kiev was going to get involved. If, like Russians were going to take Kiev or not. So I ex- extracted them into Tbilisi, which is the capital of Georgia. So here's here's the the argument that people make. Well, Russia is also killing usually yeah because usually Ukrainians are fighting, and it's only Russia so far that's making advertisements, putting money in advertisement to save those usual Ukrainians so that Ukraine actually has a male population and not just female anymore. Well, I don't see that British doing that. I don't see any other countries doing it. Russia realizes they are Slavs, they are our brothers. We gotta save these morons that got duped. Like every Russian soldier that I interacted with, you, you know, you seem, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ed here, Like when you were fighting Al-Qaeda or whoever it was, right? You didn't see them as brothers. You saw them as enemy. They, You needed to just kill them off, right? So if somebody asked you, what do you think about Al-Qaeda soldier? You would not have anything good to say, right? So, but Russians do have a lot of good things to say about Ukrainians. Here's the answers I got from Russian soldiers. And I have these answers, not just for me, but documented, right? So, they always say Ukraine got fooled. They don't say Ukraine is a terrible monster. Did, did, did. No, they say Ukraine got fooled by, by their foolishness. They are hurting us. So we got to do what, what we got to do. We can't expect Russia to be this angel that never kills anybody at all. Why don't you just attack us? And yeah, sure, that doesn't happen. So I get your point, Ivory, but I'm going to be on the Russian side on this one. You can't fight war one-sided. It's war. What's your take, Ed?
4: Well, I mean, the, the, there's no difference in Iraq. I mean, for instance, Iraq, most of the, counter, the insurgency after the first year, after re- the first invasion, and, um, the insurgents were all civilians. So if people were like, well, you're yeah, killing civilians, well, the civilians with guns. You know, just like Afghanistan, same. I mean, Taliban, they're technically civilians. They're not state. They don't have a military ID. They're not backed by a state. Neither were the insurgents. And personally, I didn't have anything personally against the insurgency. I mean, other than we would kill them. Uh, I mean, I guess that's an offense. But um, no, when we captured them, stuff, I I understood it. I understood that we invaded. um, We're the ones that came into the country. So, you know, we didn't have the same hatred for. Now, Al-Qaeda, different story. They Mm -hmm. really... No sympathy, no empathy whatsoever. Um uh, but yeah. yeah, the Iraqis were saying, I mean it's like, hey, sucks. You know, we're fighting each other and probably in a better circumstance we wouldn't be. Um,
6: yeah, and these are like usual Iraqi people who just
4: like, normal people.
6: American is an invader. So what do you do? Like you, you can't tell an American soldier that has its own rules and and orders, like don't shoot at any Iraqi civilian that has a gun. Like what? How am I supposed to? So I'm going to die? Why am I, I, I never fighting? saw
4: one in, after the invasion. I never saw someone in uniform. So we would have shot that's at it. no one.
6: So you just, yeah, there. that's my point. Yeah. Wow.
5: Uh, Ed, how's your perspective changed on, on America's war in the Middle East after all these years? Have you gained clarity about what really happened?
4: Uh, a lot of it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think we were, you know, uh, and obviously George Bush. I, probably one of the biggest mistakes in history, I think, that I can think of okay. as far as starting that war in Iraq. We were already in Afghanistan. I understood Afghanistan very clearly. I think we all did it first. Hey, we're there to kill al-Qaeda. That's what we do. That's what we did. And that was over quickly. Then it just kind of, what we call mission creep, right? It be- just com- became this nation-building process. Um, and I don't know who was pushing that, but Iraq kicked off in 2003 in March. No one in my business, we really couldn't believe that was happening. And then the weapons of mass destruction was shoved down our throat, shoved down our throat. And then, you know, all, even loose conspiracies about Saddam Hussein, who was was uh, linked with Al Qaeda, and which was complete nonsense. Saddam Hussein was not
7: uh, a
4: lunatic. He was
2: Order now
1: fighterflare.com
4: Extremist, mili- uh religious person. He did, probably wasn't even religious.
5: He did you believe these things at the time? Though, did you believe
4: the? I couldn't believe the invasion. You- well, once the once the invasion happened, and we like a year, basically a year later, like nothing was found. You're we like, wow, here we are, you know. Um, and then Al Qaeda came in, so it was a cesspool for foreign fighters to come in, and we'd kill. You know, we got a lot of foreign fighters, uh, but no, it was just, there was no reason to be there other than. Uh, it was we were we wrongfully invaded in and, and my opinion now some people i'm sure they still hold on to he was a dictator he was bad yeah you know, there's a lot of bad people out there you know it depends on
6: yeah
4: i mean you can ask a lot of people in that world um and they they think us is awful okay. so,
6: no i agree i agree so, Ed, I want to uh, talk about your career and, you know, so put politics aside. It's very interesting how. So, OK, if we, God forbid, but if we ever have to go in war with Russia and, you know, people have hard time understanding. They think the American military is absolutely invincible. and <laughs> That is not true. And I think I, I listened to, um, was it uh, Colonel? Mm -hmm. like i I can't can't remember who said it either way so that's not the case also american military is used to fighting wars with tribal people they are used to fighting wars in small you know like you would know this i don't have to teach you that but what's going on in ukraine is very different it's multiple professional armies going at each other that's very different so do you think strategically you're looking at the u.s right on the other side yeah. And then looking at Russian map, and you're looking at what Russians can do. Keep in mind that most elite Russian soldiers are not even used in this battle yet. So here's the thing: Do you think that we can win this war if we get involved? Uh,
4: well, winning well that's that's a whole different thing. Um, but we would, in short order, I won't I won't call how many days it would take le- less than. 60 days, we would absolutely destroy the Russian military, the infrastructure, the Russian troops would be virtually worthless. They would just be destroyed and killed. We we see what they don't they don't have that expeditionary. And I didn't know that until I watched the Ukrainian war. I'm like, holy smokes! They're very primitive. We would technologically and just military understanding, we would destroy them before they could ever regroup. Now the insurgency that would follow. Would be a difference, and that's what we learned in Iraq and Afghanistan. Is that mm-hmm. unless you're willing to go all out and kill everyone, you're going to have problems. So that's when I I was on one American news when months before the invasion, the Russians evaded. and I said, you know, it's going to be very simple. It's going to be about the insurgency. It's going to be about when people pick up guns and fight against, them, and you don't know who they are.
6: So Colonel a- McGovern. Colonel McGregor says completely different story. He says that we cannot even not destroy Russian, uh, military. But I would, I would, I would disagree with you on that because I saw this firsthand and what Russians did and how small like sources they used and pretty much advanced to the point of Kiev. So, um, so I would dis- I, I would disagree with you, but you you have we your-
4: even well we wouldn't even have to have troops on the ground. We would have enough aircraft carriers in the spot. Oh, so you, you're aircraft.
6: talking about you're talking about pretty much bombing, like for, for, yeah. like similar to Iraqi approach. That's what you're.
4: Well, saying. when we if we look at the invasion of Iraq, right? I mean, it was mm-hmm. we went through all the way from the south all the way up through Baghdad in a very short amount of time. And yeah, there was there were Iraqi they didn't have technology, but it was only as we moved as fast as our logistics could keep up. That was it. Yeah, but Iraq the, is different than Gas Russia. troops and stuff. What's that?
6: Iraq is very different than Russia. Russia has very sophisticated it Navy. It has very sophisticated Air Force. It, it's not your typical. Iraq is like not even close. Like Iraqis cannot true. do anything. Russians are not the same case.
4: Yeah, it's true. But just watching what they've been able to do uh, in Ukraine their conventional military would get crushed quickly. I mean, without nuclear weapons.
5: You're saying that Russia proved its lack of sophistication by how it approached Ukraine?
4: Well, they did. I mean, just the logistics, because logistics Mm -hmm. in major ground wars are what wins wars. I mean, most people in the military understand that. As fast as you can get the bullets and bombs to the front is as fast as you can move. And it's about... It used to be, I don't know what the ratio is now, and the conventional forces know a lot more than me, but about a 10 to 1 ratio. If you want a gallon of gas in that tank, you gotta get, it takes about 10 gallons to get it to the front. But so you're
6: forgetting the objective, though. So here's what I don't understand. You know that they only lent, uh, led the invasion with a few thousand men, called it a military operation. So I think this was the mistake of Russians. This is why this propaganda followed that, oh, Russia is not re- What, not ready? Like, as soon as they applied a little bit... Tying a little bit more sores, they went to all the way to Kherson and Odessa. So I mean, you know, like a slight change in their punch already had a huge effect. But you have to keep in mind they only started with like less than forty thousand men. You know that you don't go to war with forty thousand men unless it's a military operation, which it was. So I think you what you're saying would be correct if we take the initial like first year of Russian conduct because they had no intentions of taking Ukraine. So they had no intentions of what you did in Iraq. Does it make sense? So sense. Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah. I'm just saying what I've seen from their technology yeah. wise, what the weapons can do. And it's not just the weapons, it's how you can employ mm-hmm. those weapons, how what professionalism in that chain. Like we mm-hmm. can employ deploy anywhere in the world. They don't have that capability. They don't have the capability to resupply. They don't have those capabilities. They just you can see it; it's, it's not there. So we could destroy their their actual conventional military very quickly.
6: It's so interesting because I would love to have you and McGregor because he's he, he, Colin McGregor's is completely different things. Um, and I
4: don't, I don't know. I don't know him. Really? I don't personally
6: know him. So he's he's pretty famous, actually. He's um, I think he's Colonel on, McGregor. Yeah, Colonel. Yeah,
4: Colonel, yes. he, he's on Fox all the time, right?
6: I don't know if he's on Fox. I, I. Yeah. I yeah, I know that he's. Yeah, Douglas McGregor. Yes, yes. So he's he's how he. I mean, he has very like rich uh, background as well. So I would love you and it, him. Hey, he's, he's a conventional
4: commander. I was special forces, so he's a conventional commander He knows a lot more about con- conventional wars than I do.
6: Yeah, so Honestly, I, I, just, I don't it know.
4: Appears they would be wiped off the map very quickly. Their conventional oh. potential.
6: Yeah, so he talks about Russia and he talks about completely different. Like, he says that we can't win, win war with Russia at all. So, so I would I'm would not to-
4: talking about winning war. I'm not talking about winning. I'm talking about crushing their conventional military force. So they cannot re- wage a full-scale war. We just crush them. Their infrastructure would be crushed. Their weapons would be destroyed. Now, winning means you've got to go in and hold the ground and take it. That, that, that's not what I'm talking I'm not talking about winning.
6: Oh, so you're talking, talking about about the military military military. you're talking about the first punches. You're talking about the first punches
4: yeah i'm talking about the just their inf- military infrastructure itself would be destroyed very quickly
6: well if it's okay so i i don't know i can't i'm not i don't i'm not, I'm not an expert so i cannot oppose you so i wish i had a, a mcgregor here so he can yeah. kind of uh, debate this with you because what i've heard from him and i've i've had his uh, his interview as well he says completely different story like completely different from what you're saying which is very interesting to me isn't that absolutely shocking that you have a CEO whose perspective is absolutely different from uh, McGregor's. I mean,
4: well, hopefully we're talking about apples and apples, not apples and oranges. Like I said, it's not about... We're not talking about winning. We're not talking about whatever that looks like. We'd have to define what that is. But just like in Iraq, we never defined what winning looked like, really. So now I'm talking about just destroying what they own. Mm-hmm. Destroying their ability to mobilize and move troops, own the air, and then... That's a whole different problem because you got a very, very large country with a lot of complexity, you know, of issues in that country. So we, it's not like we're going to take over and evade it and, you know, hold ground and win the country and it's ours. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, I, I can't see that happening anymore on earth anywhere. So.
6: Wow. No, absolutely. Also, you have to keep in mind Russia is not just Russia. It is, you know, so many different nations inside Russia that are more than willing to die for Russia. So sure. I don't think it's going to be as easy. <laughs> yeah. never,
4: well, I just never, I mean, just to crush their, their system. But I, I just don't know why Americans have chosen them as an enemy before the invasion yeah. and why we didn't just get on board with the Russians as friends, you know, exactly. knowing. Their potential, knowing, you know, that we have somehow continued the 80s, that Cold War mentality of that, you know, that Soviet Union turned into Russia and then Russia's bad. So I, I, that is a diplomacy mistake, in my opinion. I just don't know how they turned into an enemy. All they want to do, really, it seems, is to be left alone for the most part. Everybody's like, oh, they're 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 land that used to be theirs. well.
6: Yeah, keep in mind. Keep in mind, Putin actually wanted to be friends. He offered that except Russia in the NATO. I mean, what else can he say? This is the guy that says we are committed to friendship. Why don't you accept not uh, us in NATO? Who's going to dare oppose us when Russia stands with America in NATO? It would be that no matter what happens in this world, Russian and American sources, uh, I mean, soldiers would fight together against it. And guess what? You have said no. See, like that's no.
4: victory to me. <laughs> to me, that would be victory is by that by guile, not strength. Like the Brits talk about, it's like, hey, at least yeah. form up. You know, as Sun Tzu said, right? Keep your enemies close, and or you know, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Um, that that kind of mindset is like, hey, if we keep them on board with us and let them do what they are going to do, they're different than we are. Exactly. Just, I don't, we, we don't need to pick enemies. And
6: <laughs> I don't, I don't want to. already have
4: like, one in China. The whole world thinks we're at war with China already. Like.
6: Exactly. Listen, that. I don't want to sound like racist here, but here's what I have to say, knowing <laughs> Russians as well as I know. Okay. So I know Russians really well. I come from They're Georgia. They're not
4: woke. I know that.
6: Yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> They're not so, into the woke thing. So
6: not at all. Not at all. And I think no. it's a phase that we're going through and, you know, sure. it will go away at some point. But here's the mistake. And I want to hear both of your opinions. Here's the mistake that we made. Okay. So Russia extended a hand of friendship to us. We said we don't care about you. We've got other agendas. Go deal with whatever you want. And very soon we turned them into enemy. But here's what happened: Russia realized that well, everyone in this world needs partnership. If we didn't need partnership, we wouldn't be uh, Newland. Wouldn't be running into you know African villages trying to settle things in Africa. Like America is not a standalone wolf it cannot possibly be this is why we are so eager to fight for partnerships like ukraine georgia like whatever right even in africa third world countries we really want to get them to stay as our ally or i would phrase it as slaves that's how we treat them we suck on their cobalt and all of this but but the truth is we are trying so hard right so why do we think that Russia would not look for allies if the U.S. turns down, turns down Russia, right? So that's what they did. Did they want to ally with China? Every sane person that knows Russians, every sane person on earth that has ever interacted with Russians will tell you that Russia would much prefer to be friends with Americans, then Chinese, okay? That was the last resort. They didn't want to go that route. Now we made it so that we pushed them right into Chinese hands. We were like, we don't care about you. We, you, you are the enemy. And somehow China that has some secret institutions, which Russia doesn't, by the way. China that has some secret institutions in uh, you know American cities, countries, states. Like it, it, this is crazy. We are talking about China as like, oh, we're and trade and friendship and all of that. And somehow Russia is the enemy. Like, what? In what world this is OK? Do you know what I mean? What's your opinion about this? Ed?
4: Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, well, I, I just I, I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know why we have not partnered with Russia. I don't know why since the 80s. I just it flabbergasted me that what, what is what do we any of us have to gain from them being an enemy? Of, yeah. of America, Just, we have nothing to gain
6: of that. Christian culture, same it is, culture it is Christian. they are listening to they're watching and making the same style of movies as Hollywood. they are they're singing styles they they call Estrada, right? I mean, we are talking about cultures because I've heard this from other Navy seals, and you know one of them, but I'm not not gonna name his name here. So he says, well, the reason is because culturally they are different. What? Like, what are you talking about? Russians are more like us than anyone, especially well, Chinese. Like, Chinese. Well, I are- mean,
4: unless you're gay or bi or trans or something like that. But, I mean, I, right? They're very, but so does Saudi Arabia. I mean, Saudi Arabia has probably virtually no values of ours.
6: Zero. Values. Zero. <laughs> yeah.
4: Very different culture, very different belief system. But uh, Russians are probably closer, I would imagine. I, I don't know many Absolutely.
6: Russians, I know some.
4: Um, so russians are
6: pretty much like me what you've seen yeah. me this is russia so yeah. if i come from georgia georgia and russia are like very similar so again culturally russians are much closer to americans they like the same things they lo- they enjoy their small businesses they want their freedom they are not like chinese communist party not even close you can't put a russian in a, a you know a, a sophisticated jail like chinese people are today that everything is about, like, they deduct, you know, social score, right? Social, social score? score? yeah. Credit score? Yeah, yeah, social score in China. So, like, even yeah. if you jaywalk and cameras kind of yeah. identify you as you jaywalked, all, like, the government has the right to deduct the money from your debit card without right. you ever... Consenting wow. to it. This but is it's real.
4: also it's how also how you progress into the communist system, right? Exactly. The better your scores, the more you kiss the butt of, you know, the the less you talk bad about your government. All those kind of things, kind of like North Korea. North Korea is the ring structure. If anyone even thinks you're talking about the regime, you get demoted, you or you get beaten. Yeah, so I think okay. that's probably about the, yeah the social. Well,
5: I mean, media reports we're getting in America is that Russia is the same. No, absolutely You better kiss Putin's butt or you're going to jail. You better not criticize his regime
6: or you're going to jail. That's not true. That's that's absolutely not true. And I think we need another episode for it, which I can break this down for you, because people don't know, because people don't know Russia at all. If I name somebody like Senya Sabchak right now, would any of you know who she is? No. No. Yeah, exactly. You know who she is? One of the biggest opposition of Putin. Look her up. She's rich. She's happy. She constantly criticizes Putin in every single show she has, and and somehow she walks free. She spends ton of money on her jewelry. She's not this like your second. No, that th- like she lives like a rich. You her plane
4: know. didn't get blown up.
6: Well, uh, oh, yeah. in, who knows what's going on
5: uh with her, how she's protected? But I know that I know how she's protected. little people in Russia. Are afraid. My best friend is Russian, and and she has f- her family still there, many friends still there. When things got bad between Russia and Ukraine, and there was a new law passed in Russia uh, that limited free speech there, um her all of her people there. Because uh, I, I reached out to her, hey, can I interview some of your people in Russia? What's really going on? They all shut down. Nobody, mm-hmm. w- everyone was afraid to speak to an American media member for fear of being punished
6: by Putin. So let me explain why. So when the war started, it's a law of war. The the new rule passed, not forever. This is what even some Russians, who I call like foolish Russians who left the country. And uh, trust me, I know what I'm talking about here. It's the same law that Britain has, by the way. Why do you think that Mike Jones, a British journalist in Russia, cannot approach a Russian Spetsnaz officer and interview him. You know why? Because Britain will put him in jail. They actually send the notice out. So here's the thing. So if Britain is the same as Russia, then why are we partnering up with Britain? They have the same law. You can't, you can't get involved with Russian, either uh, generals or Spetsnaz or any, you can't interview as a journalist because you're going to British jail.
5: Hey, <laughs> I agree. And, and now we're getting into American exceptionalism. That's why we live in a very special than We have that free speech that even the UK doesn't have. No, I um, agree. It's better in America. I agree with that. It's better. Plus, you're on social
4: media and you don't believe that the vaccine is am Just saying, I'm yeah, getting mad.
5: You're, <laughs> you're not. You're not. You're, you're cancelled immediately. Yeah, right. What was your account? Which, well, and actually, that's been going through the court system. Biden. Yeah biden was actually a federal appeals court determined that biden did violate the first amendment by directing social media companies to censor so biden we do have a very compromised president right now that is taking yeah. america away from its exceptionalism its its difference from the government encroachments of, of england or the government encroachments yeah. in russia but I, I agree with you that it's better to be friends with these nations than than just poke the bear all the time and, and uh, try to stir up war like it seems that it seems Biden is doing by sending all this funding against the powerful nation of Russia uh, it, he's asking it to get, to get it hit it? directly by Russia.
4: And what is it, diplomacy? Yeah, you know, right. it, it yeah. just sounded off what's an Adam Schiff on the first, you know, uh, immediately was on the floor of the, white, uh, of the House talking about we're in a proxy war. Remember when they were impeaching Trump and they were talking, he was he was actually speaking. I can't remember what date it was, but it, 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 he was talking. We were in a proxy war. Just immediately. People started saying that. And, and there's where was the diplomacy? Where was the hey, let's have a sit down here. Figure okay. this out. Maybe it carve out some property. I don't know. I'm not not that. But instead of just killing off people and having these wars. So there been more diplomacy.
6: So Ed, I think uh, that's
4: where, you know, probably politicians that have some savvy and so, uh, that would be better off. But I don't think I don't think Biden and his staff have much savvy to them.
6: I don't Both think Biden people. knows what date is. So I don't he think does. it's just Biden, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's he's such a, an
4: easy target. But he is like as clueless as any. He even says it himself. You know, he's like in his speeches. They were like, well, if I say any more, I'm going to get in trouble. Like, who are you going to get in trouble with? <laughs> You're the president. Just handlers, like, I, it's incredible. I, like as a leader, you would even I was not the president or nothing, but you never let that come out of your mouth. You would <laughs> never let oh I'm gonna get in trouble or, or my boss said this. Or, oh no, you, you, know, you own everything that happens under you. That's it. You own it, and like it doesn't build any confidence when he's talking about getting in trouble or like he's babbling. Yeah, no,
6: they said that our so. scenes haunt us. Like our scenes always haunt us, and and no matter like what you do, even if you're the president, my favorite moments uh, when this war started was when George Bush says, "It is unbelievable, like one man's decision to invade a sovereign country of Iraq, and everyone's like, "ding ding 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 <laughs> So that's Bush talking about his own scenes. and then Biden came out and says, "No matter what Putin does." Uh, people of Afghanistan will never, never love or something like it, respect him. And I was like, what Afghanistan are you talking about, daddy? <laughs> oh <my laughs> God. Completely somewhere else. Like I, it's just incredible how stupid these people are. But um, Ed, I want to ask you about your new endeavors. Um, you had a book written, right? Two. So writing another one, Don't two. demote me. <laughs> the best okay so i want to ask about your book because um both of them but first uh, i think the first one was when you focused on more leadership right here they are yes there you go Uh
4: uh-huh
5: that's greatness under tremendous stress a navy seal system for turning fear into accomplishment
4: that's the most recent one yeah
5: And then uh, first, fast, fearless, how to lead like a Navy SEAL. Yeah.
4: Yeah, that was first. And that really did very well. Hit some bestseller list. Um, uh, But, yeah, I'm kind of going backwards. I'm working on different things. The guts, the greatness, and the stress. Tremendous stress was actually I finished it uh, right when COVID started. So I pulled it back from the publisher to add a couple things in COVID in there. But a lot of it just I watched unfold perfectly some of the ideas and concepts I hadn't got. So I'm like, I got to pull that back and put some stuff in there. Um, Yeah, it just talks about fear and how to manage it and how to, um, you know, manufacture motivation in your own life. Uh, But I'm working backwards in my life. I'm working from leadership to self-leadership, which is guts. And then I'm going to, my next book, I believe, is going to be talking about ethos, character.
0: Mm -hmm.
6: That's amazing. So if you could tell me one lesson from whichever book you want to pick that everyone should apply in life, what would that be?
4: Uh, well, hmm. let's see. Right off the bat, I guess, this the victim mentality. Um, extreme ownership of your own life, right? And that's one of the first things we teach SEALs, and we do it very simple. It's, a very, it's not hard because, you know, most people don't understand, but the first six months of a SEAL training, the basic SEAL, there's really nothing high speed. There's no fancy weapons, nothing. It's just a lot of cold water, a lot of sand, a lot of hard, heavy logs, a lot of pain. And we twist the body to mold the mind. But one of the first things we do, and it's very effective, is you learn language discipline. Okay, language discipline is what language do you allow yourself to use. And our, and say the students, as they're going through, we give them way too much to do and too little to how they prioritize. But when they come up and say, like, hey, did you get it done? It's either yes, no, and I'll be clean here. It's I effed up. I messed up. Right. And that's the three responses you you can you accept. So over time, yes, no. And I messed up. It starts. Most people default to excuse making. Well, my dog ate my homework, whatever those cases are. Right. All those things <laughs> that you default to. So it stops them in their mind from defaulting to excuses because we don't care. We punish them and physically remediate them physically, you know, brutally. And over time, they start to separate themselves from excuses. So they start to own the outcome of their own life. Because, you know, on a mission, you can, you can say, and I, I've had this happen, you, you don't have the resources, you don't have air, air support, you don't have this, you don't have that, or That. But, but you're still going to do it. So it keeps you from being, making excuses and becoming a victim. And I think I teach kids in the foster youth and juvenile court systems around San Diego. I have an organization that does that. And that's one of the first things we teach them is that, yes, you've been victimized, but you're not a victim. And here's how you how you form, get away from that, right? How you form a different relationship with your own life and to get away from that victimhood. And it's by language, by choosing your language. And if you choose your language properly over time, you choose how you think and you choose the emotions that come along with the thinking, then your actions change. So it's a big chain reaction. Pretty simple, but hard to do.
6: You know, yeah, and I think language is very important in nations too. Like certain nations develop according to how they speak, really. You know, and and I'll I'll give you a very short um, example from coming from Georgia. Right, we don't have. Oh, this has nothing to do with woke. I gotta say that (laughs) no woke culture in Georgia, but um, we don't (laughs) have a word for she or he. Yeah. So meaning that everyone's equal. So women and men like are yeah, very equal. So when you talk about something, this is why my American friends often hear me say, like mess up he and she sometimes, because I don't have yeah. it in my language, right? So the that's your nation, excuse, anyway. what was that? <laughs>
1: that's
4: your excuse.
6: Yeah, that's my excuse. <laughs> so, you make yeah. a mistake,
4: you're like, Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I didn't realize you were not a sir. <laughs>
6: <laughs> exactly. my bad.
4: I'm Georgian, so, yeah, I get away it.
6: It is very interesting because when we when I saw American this transformation of oh women's rights, women's rights, women's rights in America and stuff, like it was so foreign to me. I was like, what do you not have? Like you have every right. Like why are you complaining? Like you know what I mean? Because I to me coming in from a different perspective, it was so strange. Like it just for me it's so foreign. I don't I don't think that as a woman I'm a victim. I'm with Jordan Peterson that says Women are more compliant. So when they ask for a raise or something and they are shut down, they don't fight for it. They walk away. Most of the time, that's the case. I have to admit that is the case, okay? So stand your ground as a woman. You're not a victim. If you're asking for rights, you're already putting yourself in a victim position. Who asks? A person that owns something doesn't ask. So that's the thing. Like You're putting yourself as like, oh, I'm asking somebody. Who are you asking? Take it. You know? So, yeah, yeah, it's very different. But talking about that, my country has like this strange word that let's say if the bus, like you're at the bus stop, right? And you miss the bus because you're late. They don't say, I miss the bus. There is no such a sentence or word to combine, like to make a combination like that. You know what they say? Somehow the bus left without me. Like it's the bus's fault. That it just, yeah. the, the bus left. God,
4: yeah, baby, and, inshallah. Yeah,
6: and if you look <laughs> at the, the nation of Georgia with so many good things that they have, they have this disease of putting responsibility on other people. Like in Russia, for example, right. with the approach with Russia, they always thought that somehow Russia is supposed to protect us without us doing anything. And I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, and that comes from their mindset because that's how they speak. It's Language the bus that that I was not I didn't make it. It's not that I fell asleep. with boss right. missed me. You know? So yeah, language is absolutely language
4: is very powerful. Very powerful. And it's that's where it all starts in the mindset. It I mean politics is about language, right? If if the whatever side of the aisle wants to get on a, a rant about something, they use certain verbiage over and over and over and right? They just constantly use it. And, he, and when you, you know, when you're tuning into channels and you hear the same exact phrase from each network, except for, you know, the opposing networks, you, you know, they're, that's what they're doing. They're manipulating. Like you said, like, instead of using, well, the, you know, we fought the Russians in the 80s. No, we fought the Soviet Union, right? Exactly. Because language matters. Language matters. Um, language matters. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
6: And, and there were so many different country. countries. And I want to say this real quick before we wrap up. So... Guys, when we fault Russians on Soviet Union, and trust me, it's really hard for me to say because who were the most distinctive and distinguished leaders in Soviet Union? Could you name them? Could you name them, both right. of you? Give me, give me two names.
4: Soviet Gorbachev.
6: Yeah. Well, who else? Like the Gorbachev most...
4: was probably one of the most uh, powerful men.
6: Really? Are you His, sure? Putin, was not? Are you sure Gorbachev? that Stalin was not the most powerful? Stalin. Well, Stalin. He was, uh, so he was Gorbachev, Gorbachev
4: in the U.S.'s eyes, because Gorbachev helped.
6: Yeah, exactly. But no, I'm talking about I so. But you have to keep in mind, Gorbachev was not a leader in so- Soviet Union. So I'm talking about Soviet Union. If you had to pick, Gorbachev broke Soviet Union. That's not leadership. So I'm just saying, and yes, he, he was
4: powerful you, to us. Yes, for sure. On for this our, side of the border, he was very powerful for Americans. Yes, but if you, a if good we were talking about.
6: Of- but you like Gorbachev. We, I was asking the tyrannical, like what America sees as tyrannical leader, right? So if we are faulting them, we're not faulting Gorbachev, right? Because he broke the Soviet Union. So we, I'm talking about when you fault Russia on Soviet Union, could you name Russian leaders in Soviet Union? At least two. Could you name?
4: Could, is that a question? Beside, yes, but, what was the what question? Choppers? Could you name what, two Gorbachev name the Soviet Union. Soviet Union? Gorbachev was Soviet Union, and so was Stalin. So,
6: Stalin. Okay, so I'll take Stalin because, Gor- like I said, Gorbachev broke Soviet Union. He doesn't count as a leader. Was but brutal. Like, sure. So Stalin. Can we agree that Stalin was one of the most famous one to be faulted for Soviet Union, too, to be blamed for Soviet Union? Can we say that?
4: I would imagine that's what most yes. people identify as Soviet Union.
6: Okay, great. So now next, uh, when we had Cold War with Soviet Union, Cold War, right? Who was the, the leader in Soviet Union? Nikita uh, Khrushchev. Khrushchev, right? Nikita okay. Khrushchev was the leader. Okay, let me explain something.
4: not so that... <laughs>
6: <Go laughs> Listen, ahead. I know what I'm talking about. This is my subject, so I'm not going to be done with this. Listen, so here is something that I want you to focus on as Americans, as both of you, right? So we fault Russia for Soviet Union. We keep saying, oh, Soviet Okay, so let me explain something. The most ruthless leader in Soviet Union was Stalin. Stalin was born and raised in Georgia. Yeah, it hurts me to say that I'm from Georgia, but he was born and made and raised in Georgia. Now let's talk about the second leader that had a biggest tension with America. That is Nikita Khrushchev. You know where Khrushchev was from? Where? Kiev. Well, actually, Ukraine. Yeah. Ukraine. So... Every leader that ever had attention with America was from either Georgia or Ukraine. So just think about that a little bit. okay? so we have Ukraine like as our ally, like just funneling money there. And we have Georgia as our second ally right next to the Russian borders. So why are we blaming Russia? Just I just have a question. Like we have two leaders that are not even from Russia, guys. And yet we're blaming from Russia. Khrushchev was the one, by the way, who started this craziness in Crimea. He was the one who took Crimea, Russian territory, and just gifted Ukraine. as like, that was no tomorrow. So again, before we talk about this stuff, we really need to know what we're talking about. And And I feel like Russia has been a victim of lots of misinformation and i always feel very contempt to when i when you know this subject and you spend so many years and you come from the country that knows all this stuff in detail you you are part of it you have to speak you know
4: well i think that's that's that was our issue with just call it iraq right we go into iraq we knew nothing about it we found out very quickly we knew nothing about it and that's the same with americans we don't know anything about russia not really yeah. I mean we don't know the nuances of the culture and what the, the, the psychology of the, the people and how they've developed over years. We don't know any of it. Most Americans don't know anything outside their border.
0: Yeah, exactly.
4: So we probably should quit dabbling in other people's borders if we don't know anything about it.
6: Yeah, so we, it we, have vicious, you know, we have 50 states. We have a beautiful country, we have fifty states, we have everything within the fifty states. You what what whatever you want, you can have it here sure. what do you want in vietnam what do you want it like stop you know you know so yeah i if you have any final questions for ed
5: and i think well i think i just think america's terrified of russia and russia yeah. suddenly invading america's friend ukraine scared america and now America's doing a lot to say don't go any further Russia and if America stops its funding I think a lot of Americans feel they're sending a signal to Russia that we're weak and you can come after us next so See, I, I feel that's what's happening
6: I I I understand your point of view to that I would just say that maybe invading Iraq Afghanistan Vietnam scared Russia hmm? It's I think America's way. done a lot yeah. to scare and Russia. Maybe training Ukraine and funneling money to Nazis scared Russia. Why don't I we? I think they're both taunting each other and they need exactly. to stop. Empathy. I Empathize with your enemy. Empathy is everything. Yeah. So only we get scared, but now Russia somehow is supposed to just take it? Like, no, it's, it's unfair. We should not be thinking that way. Empathy is everything. I agree.
0: Not sympathy. Everyone needs more empathy. Yeah. <laughs>
6: and
5: uh yes and um thinking in a way that achieves greatness uh ed your books look fantastic i want to read them
4: they are very good (laughs) my first (laughs) magazine actually did pick uh their thought leader this whatever his guys name he he said the top 10 leadership books of all time my first one he put that in there with collins uh, ken blanchard covey Said that was he goes. It was a surprising book, which I wanted people to be surprised when they read it. Not some, you know, tough guy, whatever, nonsense. So yeah, pick it up.
5: Love
6: that. Read them, Ed. First, uh, before we go, I want to say thank you for your service, and you have always been. You know that I know many many SEALs and many military people, and I kind of always say that in, in that circle there are many they still, after all these years, don't understand what they were doing in Iraq. But the one thing that I want to say about Ed is this is the man that is so able to kind of step aside and draw the conclusions from not from his own ego or agenda or just like as a, as a separate entity. He can look back on his career. He can look back on the things that our country has done and draw very, very objective conclusions. This is why I really appreciate you, and this is why people nice should read you. the books. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. not to read
4: the books, just buy them. <laughs> 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 the other part's just nice to have.
6: Okay. Thank awesome. you so much for, for yeah, being here yesterday. Yeah,
5: great talking with you, Ed.
4: Thank you very much, and best of luck to everything.
5: And that does it for Beyond the Service. Ran a little over. It was a great conversation. Thanks guys.
1: All right.
7: Well, See nice.
5: you next week. Bye.
1: Order now